Good morning, Al Bad. Hey, Al Bad. It's Lisa Kay. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. I hope you are too. I guess we get right into some of these questions that people have for us today. Um, although I do remember you telling me that you are you are you going to Alaska? You're not in Alaska. You're going to Alaska. I am not, but we'll be in a, a short period of time here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe the next time I talk to you, then. Huh? It'll be warmer there. <laughs> I know. I'm not used to this cold. I woke up. It was just brisk. Here we go. Um, somebody wanted to know about a few dead moles that they found on a trail. Can you tell me what happened to them? Yeah, they sent me a photo, but, uh, you know, if you really couldn't tell much from the photo. It was There were a few of them and kind of in a, a pile, like somebody would pile little rocks or something on the trail. And, you know, moles don't come. I'm sure a lot of people maybe have never seen a mole because, they don't come to the surface where there's owls, hawks, weasels, or snakes, or things that might get them. And because of their musky odor, moles are they're not uh, mammalian predators. Don't care much for them. Hmm. Uh, if somebody's had a dog, you've probably had your dog catch one and go, "Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible," and spit it out. Uh, but raccoons, coyotes, fox, and skunks will dig them out. So they will eat them. Um, again, moles are killed by domestic dogs and cats, but they're rarely eaten by mm. them. And I would say if I had to pick something, well, there's two creatures that would come to mind, but the first one would be a cat. They seem to do things like that sometimes. The other one would be a fox oh. that will sometimes pile things up. And why they do that, you know, if you have a house cat, they do strange things like that. Um, ours will scratch on the floor like it's covering its food up, although there's nothing on the floor to cover it up. But they're covering it up, and foxes will do that too to save it for later when uh, <laughs> during hard times they'll have food. So again, I'm guessing uh, I know a mole eats earthworms, Japanese beetle grubs, uh, cutworms, and more. So they're down there doing good work for the most part and you know i just think somebody uh, some critter had a lot of time on its hands and just decided well i'm gonna pile these things up over there and we'll just see how things go boy well if they're not going to eat them it seems like a waste of time huh it sure does yeah, yeah it well i you know my brother used to pile peppers on his plate because mom <laughs> would put them in a hot dish and he didn't like them so he would He'd go through the whole hot dish and pull out all the peppers and pile them in one corner of his plate. So kind of a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But peppers may be a little bit more tasty than a musky mole. I didn't, I didn't realize moles were musky. They are, and they just, uh, that's their big defense because, you know, a little tiny mole really doesn't have much of a chance against a dog. But uh, they're just, I know uh, we had a puppy once that, uh, you know, puppies, sample everything mm -hmm. and after that it just didn't have any use for a mole if it's the one it just pretty much pretend it didn't see it yeah well i've had that before i don't like it i'm like that with raw celery tried it don't like it no thank you <laughs> with celery i don't like celery it, i'll eat it if it's cooked but not if it's raw i don't know oh what the deal gosh. is strange huh I like it raw better. When I was in school, they'd give us that chow mein with that soggy celery on top. Yeah, yeah. I'll take your soggy celery. You can have my fresh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's just, I like most food. That's the one food that, that, out of all the things, that's that's my thing. That's like, 
That's like tasting a, a musky mole to me, I suppose. And everybody's been told, and it's, it's not true, of course, but if you eat celery, you burn more calories than you gain, and which yeah. would be, if that be true, there would probably be no diet other than eating celery. Just some celery, right? Uh, somebody asked, what is digging for grubs in a cemetery and what can be done to prevent it? Do they do damage? Yeah, and I got uh, photos on that one, too, and thanks, everybody, for sending the photos. They, they sure help on stuff. <clears throat> there are two critters that are, oh, I'm, I'm going to say common this time of year in cemeteries because we have one here that the same thing is happening. And skunks, they create holes by pushing their noses into the lawn, and then they use their front paws to dig out the area. Hmm. And there can be many holes. Sometimes they merge into a large, disturbed patch of grass because they put so many holes in. The other one is a raccoon, and the raccoon uses its paws like hands to lift and flip pieces of the sod over. And it appears as if someone rolled it back for transplanting, like on a sod farm. Um, so it's one of those two, but management is really difficult. As extensive digging, boy, it can just happen overnight. I know at the one cemetery here, we were just there. There was nothing the next day. Hmm. There's all kinds of things going on. There's few reliable controls for the animals. The most effective would probably be an insecticide applied to kill the grubs in the soil. Uh, it's a curative insecticide application that's most effective if we did it in August and early September. It's like most of those things uh, will be told, well, it had been a lot better if you had done it two months ago, and that's the case here. So there's very little you can do now. Sorry. Oh, that's too bad. Um, you know, I was listening to a replay of something that you and I had talked about a year ago, when I was, it was around the same time of year, I was cleaning up my fountain and I was just getting ready to clean up some of the stuff out on the patio. And I noticed uh, a yellow jacket that was kind of stuck in the bird bath and um, I pulled it out and set it on the ground. Uh, same thing happened this year, which was so strange because I had just listened to me telling you that story. And I went out to break down the fountain and I rescued a yellow jacket from the fountain as it was struggling and drowning. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But one of the last yellow jackets, I think, of the season for us here is I don't see very many of them anymore. What what eats a yellow jacket, somebody wanted to know. And that yellow jacket will remember you. And when you're in trouble, that yellow jacket will come to your rescue. I hope so. Or it will sting me. I, I didn't get stung. but <laughs> They try to even things out and pay their debts. Uh, what would eat them? Uh, you know, black bears love to eat them. We, uh, we don't have a whole lot of black bears here, but uh, on occasion one shows up here and there. They don't get but stung? In northern, northern Minnesota, a lot of them would eat yellow jackets. Our, our little bears, raccoons will eat them. Huh. Uh, skunks, I have watched skunks eat honeybees from the hives that our, uh, our Audubon Club has. Ouch. And they come up there. We had to put a cage around it to keep the skunks from eating the honeybees. Hmm. So they eat yellow jackets without any problems. Uh, areas that have badgers will eat them. Possums will eat them because they eat pretty much everything. Uh, shrews will eat them. These tiny little, uh, just little rodent 
like critters that look like little rodents, shrews, they will eat them. And then we have some birds. Uh, summer tanagers are noted for eating them, but we don't have a lot of summer tanagers. We get them here every year, but they usually don't stay here in the summer. Uh, gray catbirds, blue jays, kingbirds, and others. And why they feed on them? Because yellow jackets are a protein-rich food. And if the birds were shopping in the health food section, they would find them in the, or in the grocery store, they would find them in the health food section. Oh, just for protein, that's it. Yep. Huh? Interesting. But they don't get stung inside their mouths or anything like that? You know, you'd think they'd have to, wouldn't they? Uh, I, I imagine, I know kingbirds, I've watched them, they'll get one and they'll whap it and they'll whap it against a branch or something. So they will uh, just stun it or kill it, and then they swallow it. Okay. So they uh, they know what they're doing, I guess. So they work at it, and uh, I would guess some of them, if there's any way they can pull that stinger out some way before they swallow it, they might do that. Uh, black bears and raccoons and stuff, I guess they just figure, you know, it's part of the job. If you want to eat a lot, you're going to... There's going to be some suffering along with it. Maybe it's like a, a spicy pepper or something for them. You know, it... it <laughs> could very well be. I, I'm going to just take somebody's word on it and probably not try it myself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Jaybird, what is a Jaybird, and where did Naked as a Jaybird, the phrase, come from? This is so cool. I just got an email from somebody uh, telling a story about one of their children, and the child had gone outside and didn't do anything bad, but was wandering around the lawn naked as a Jaybird, and they were... <laughs> And uh, they didn't ask the origin or anything. They just used it in a sentence. And like so many of our old sayings, it has an uncertain origin. And the expression, oh, way back in probably the 1800s, was as naked as a fledgling jaybird, hmm. which really makes sense because the fledglings, um, they're attritional, so they don't, they don't have a lot of feathers mm -hmm. when they're first hatched. So another one was as naked as a fledgling robin hmm. or just as naked as a fledgling. Those were all great sayings. You could just picture that little bird with no feathers. So you picture this little kid out on the lawn with no uh, no clothes on. And at some point, they dropped the word fledgling from this idiom. So hmm. in the 1920s, jaybird was an abbreviation of the word jailbird. And when new inmates were processed in jails, if we've, if you've all watched a prison movie at one time, you know they were stripped naked and then they were disinfected before receiving their prison uniforms. So, is it from the jaybird that's a blue jay, or is it from the jaybird that's a jailbird? Huh. I don't know. Maybe both. Probably a combination of the two. Al Bat is our guest today here on Talk of the Town. And Al, I was just reading an article about sheep. And the sheep, people are bringing sheep in to graze and cut grass in areas and deal with things. But I know that goats have been doing this for a while. And somebody had asked a question about when goats are brought in to browse uh, and eat the vegetation from a park, what happens to the buckthorn seeds that they eat? Do they... Cause because a lot of seeds, they can still pass through the digestive system of birds and things like that and get planted. Yeah, birds are uh, great at planting all kinds of uh, plants. The, there's a St. Aidan Cemetery near us, and I'd go down there and watch the goats. 
they say 40 goats can clean out an acre in a week. And they had all these goats there. And I watched them eating poison ivy. And they were eating it like it was, well, not like you'd eat celery, but like <laughs> something people really like. They just, they just seemed to be so happy. And I thought, well, good for you to get rid of that poison ivy. Uh, University of Minnesota uh, did research on this, and they published it in something, I want to say it was the Natural Areas Journal, and I hope I'm right on that. But they found that 2% of buckthorn seeds passed through the goat's guts intact. Hmm. And of that 2% of the seeds that appeared in the goat's feces, 11% were still viable. And I know you're saying, well, how does that compare to just if, if it didn't run through a goat system? Well, there are 63% of seeds not eaten by goats were capable of germination. Mm. So uh, with the goats, you get 11% of 2%. So it, <laughs> they really do knock it down. And they just, it seems like the goats really enjoy their work. They just were out there uh, eating all the time, and then I'd go. It seemed odd to be out in a cemetery, and there among the tombstones were all these goats just standing there looking at you in that way goats have. We used to raise goats. <laughs> they look at you like they know something that you don't know, and they're not going to tell you no matter what. You know what they're saying is buckthorn is delicious. They really love buckthorn. They love a lot of those things that we uh, need to get rid of. And you can see why a lot of parks are doing this, because it just makes easy work. That's, uh, if you're out there chopping, I've done that, chopping buckthorn and cutting it down. Then you got to put the, something on the root or the, on the stump in order to get rid of it, because mm-hmm. cutting it down just uh, gives it more vigor. Right. Uh, so somebody wants to know, when do pelicans migrate? Oh, I just uh, saw some pelicans, saw a nice flock of them yesterday. And uh, we have American white pelicans, of course, here, and they migrate to the Gulf of Mexico. When are their peak migration months? October, November. So we're right in them now. And in a San County almanac, one of my favorite books of all time, Aldo Leopold described migrating pelicans this way. Let a squadron of southbound pelicans but feel a lift of prairie breeze. And they sense at once that that here is a landing in the geological past, a refuge from that most relentless of aggressors, the future. With queer antelubian grunts, they set wing descending in majestic spirals (laughs) to the welcoming wastes of a bygone age. Um, last year, I saw four pelicans on, uh, let's see, it was on between Fountain Lake and Albert Lee Lake in Albert Lee that oh. spent the uh, entire winter there. Were they injured? Were they sick? I don't know. They stayed in pairs, and it was just fun seeing them. Wow. Well, that's cool. Uh, how about baby loons? Can baby loons do any swimming, or do they need to be taught? Yeah, my wife and I were out on one of those little paddle boats, those tiny little things that you rent, and you kind of paddle around. You say, well, this is why we enjoy the lake, and we get a little exercise, too. Unlike adults, a loon chick can walk upright on land. So when they first hatch, they can run around a little bit, Hmm. and they can swim immediately after hatching. But they spend much of their time riding on their parents' back during the early days. And this regulates their body temperatures, protects them from underwater predators like a muskie or a snapping turtle. 
So chicks depend on their parents for food, and one parent remains on the water's surface with the chicks babysitting while the other catches the fish and comes back and feeds it to them. So it's really neat to watch. That's pretty sweet. I've not uh, had the opportunity to see that, so... And they're still here, the babies, probably. They, they stick around till November. Okay. All right. They don't know. You, you'd think mom and dad say, here's what you got to do. They don't even know how to swim when mom and dad leave. And it, biologists often summarize the changes, that uh, seasonal changes that critters have to go through. They use the acronym MAD. Move, adapt, or die. And oh. Adult loons typically leave the state in early October. They, they don't. You'd think they go right straight south. No, they go to Lake Michigan. They gather with other <laughs> loons from Canada and the Upper Midwest, and they spend about 28 days on the Great Lake feasting on small fish. And then all of a sudden they decide, boy, we got to get. So they head to the wintering grounds on Gulf of Mexico or Florida's Atlantic coast. But the young birds. They stay longer. They practice the Minnesota goodbye. You all know that Minnesota (laughs) goodbye, where it takes us forever to get out of a house. And even though no one taught them how to fly, they fly straight for southern Florida in November. So at what age do they decide they're going to make the, you know, trip to the family reunion and stop in Michigan? It'll be, uh, they will be down south for a couple of years. Okay. And then when they come back, then they will start heading to Lake Michigan in October. Okay. All right. That is just so weird. You say, well, what, what, are you, what are you doing there? I suppose they just want to catch up on things. Yeah, yeah all in the same place, huh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, how about a trumpeter swan? When do, when do the trumpeter swans leave Minnesota? Are they gone now? or? You know, this swan and what a beautiful bird they're a regular breeding resident they're distributed through throughout the state and most minnesota trumpeter swans remain here through the winter months so we're so lucky to have them where do they stay wherever open water is available it'd be considered a short distant migrant with a majority of minnesota's breeding population migrating only as far south to find open water and an abundant food supply where do they go? Boy, they love power plant sites. They, those sites are welcome sites for a um, trumpeter swan. Hmm. And we used to see so many of them up at Monticello, and they are still there, but they no longer feed them there. So you okay. don't see them congregate. I guess we're in deer season now, aren't we? Yeah, Ooh, we boy, we sure are. Yeah. What, uh, what state has the most deer? Are we... In lead for that, or I listened to two uh, knuckleheaded friends because I'm a knucklehead, so my <laughs> friends are too, and they were arguing over uh, which state had the most deer of any state. And of course, one said Wisconsin, and one said Minnesota. Why? Because we're Minnesotans near Wisconsin. So, mm-hmm. and you know what? I didn't tell them, but they're both wrong. Oh, and uh, they probably wouldn't have been surprised because, well, like I say, we're knuckleheads. Uh, boy, if anybody had to guess what state, you'd probably say, hmm, maybe Texas, and you'd be right. They have an estimated white-tailed deer population that exceeds 3 million wild deer. And if you've been to Texas, you know they have captive everything down there. I saw a giant antelope of some kind running across the road one day down there that had escaped from a game farm or something. But if you include them, then you'd add another 2 million deer. So they'd have 5 million deer, but only 3 million are are wild. 
after that, Michigan, Alabama, and Mississippi are supposedly have 1.7 million. Missouri, 1.4. Wisconsin, 1.3. Pennsylvania, North Carolina would also have 1.3. And then there are four states with about around a million, and that would be Minnesota, Arkansas, Georgia, and Kentucky. Hmm. So we have a million here. Texas has three million, but. You know, they have a lot more room to have them down there. And, boy, this time of year, I just like to remind everybody that deer are crepuscular. So be watchful for them at the shoulders of the day, dawn and dusk. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we like to think that we have the most because we like to think about ourselves first. (laughs) Well, and then we're forever hitting them. That's true. It just seems like we, and who could have more deer because, uh, a friend has a body shop here, and he, uh, you know, deer keep him uh, occupied. Oh, isn't that the truth? I hope everybody stays safe this year. Yes. Al, can you tell me a little bit about woolly bear caterpillars? Because I know that they're, and I don't know if it's myth or something that I read in the Farmer's Almanac, but there's just a way you're supposed to be able to read them in order to tell what kind of winter we're going to be having. And I was reading a a very interesting woolly bear caterpillar the other day. I picked him up, and they curl up in a little ball. And uh, Folklore, and I look at them every year. Folklore says that the darker the caterpillar, the harsher the winter will be. So they have that rusty band. If that's wide, it'll be a mild winter. And the more black there is, the more severe the winter. Some folks even go so far, if the black on the front end is whiter than the black on the rear end, the beginning of winter will be more severe than the end of the winter. And um, I think that's true every year, because when the winter's (laughs) ending, it kind of gets a little more gentle. Right. As to the accuracy of a woolly bear's prediction, please remember that they are not trained meteorologists. They're just (laughs) amateurs like us. So one year, there were so many woolly worms on the road that I couldn't help but hit some. And I learned that when driving over woolly bear caterpillars, turn into the skid. (laughs) I I, I read them that. But uh, it's still fun to look at them and say, wow, see how accurate they are. Actually, uh, their colors are based probably on mainly on genetics, but also on nutrition and uh, age. Hmm. All those things, huh? I didn't yeah, know. All those things. It is one tiny little woolly worm. It's all uh, fun to look at, like you said, and, and just think about what if, what if. But that's a lot to put on a little caterpillar. It is a lot of pressure. And these guys crawl across and they find bark or logs or rocks or something they get into. And then they will, uh, they will last a winter the way they look now. That's the way they'll spend the winter. And then comes spring, they go into cocoon, and then they become an Isabella tiger moth, sort mm. of a yellow, oh, yellowish orange tan. And you'd think it'd be this beautiful brown and black, but it's not. It's kind of a nondescript but very common moth. Yeah, completely changing colors. I guess that's what you do when you're when you're in your little cocoon. That's what I did. Al Bat, thank you so much for your time today. Always love to have you on Talk of the Town. And until next time, have a good one. Hey, thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you've got a chance, thank a teacher today. I had wonderful teachers. Remember, without teachers, we wouldn't have the answer to a password recovery question. (laughs) Amen.